So today we're going to be actually finishing up this sermon series that we've been in for quite a number of weeks now. We've been looking at various biblical figures, as I'm sure you remember, and I think I've reminded us every Sunday. Um, we've been looking at these biblical figures, Old Testament, New Testament, and drawing forth lessons from their lives. And we're going to continue to do that today and wrap up this series. And we're going to be taking a look at the Apostle Paul. Uh, and certainly, if you think of Paul, it's like, oh, there, there are like so many lessons that we could learn uh, from his life. But we're going to pick one, you know, stick with one, not try to squeeze like, you know, a dozen sermons into one and focus on one theme. And that theme is commitment to Christ. And certainly, as we're going to take a look at here as we get into Scripture, we see that in, in Paul's life. We see this truly great deep commitment to Christ. And as we're going to focus on this, I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians. This will be our, our first passage that we're going to look at. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. And while you're turning there, I'll sort of set the context for us here, just so we know kind of what's going on here, instead of just sort of jumping right in and we don't know the context. So what's gone on in the Corinthian church is there are these false apostles, false teachers who've sort of like slipped into the congregation and, and they're teaching some bad stuff theologically. Uh, and so now Paul is writing to them this letter, 2 Corinthians, and so he's addressing these false apostles. Uh, and as he addresses these false apostles, uh, he feels the need to sort of defend himself and his apostleship, defend himself and his ministry as an apostle of Christ Jesus. And so that's what he's doing here in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 28. He's sort of giving a defense of himself as an apostle as he sort of argues against these false supposed super apostles uh, that he's speaking against here. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. And here's what it says. Are they servants of Christ? And here they would be those false apostles. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches, right? So here's Paul sort of making his defense of his ministry, his apostleship. What does he wind up speaking of? Well, he, he speaks of sort of all that he's suffered, all that he's undergone as an apostle of Christ Jesus. 
And we're going to kind of go back over this and, and sort of pick it apart, all that, that he suffered and endured. But as we do so, I want us to sort of think of Paul, think of, of his calling, right? God had, Christ had given him this sort of special calling, this special role as this special apostle to the Gentiles, right? So he had this great calling to go throughout the Roman world, reach the Gentiles, go from city to city. Think of his missionary journeys, numerous missionary journeys on the road, right? Going from place to place to place preaching the gospel message, reaching the Gentiles for Christ's kingdom. And as he was doing that, right, he had this calling, he's, he's committed, this is our theme, it's we're going to talk about, but we see this commitment to Christ, he's sort of sold out for Christ, I know I, I have this calling, Christ has given me this, this role uh, to, to be this faithful apostle to the Gentiles, and I'm just committed to it, I, I'm 100% all in, right, I'm going to be faithful to that, committed to him, carry out that role as I go about these missionary journeys, reaching the Gentiles with the gospel, but, but as he's doing that, right, it's not like it's just sort of easy sailing, it's a smooth road all all every step of the way the whole time right he faced an awful lot of obstacles and and hardship and persecution and as we sort of go back over this i want us to think of, of his level of commitment that even as he faced all of these things that he talks about right imprisonment being beaten whipped you name it and, and ultimately right this is all that he had suffered up until this point that he's writing this but that would continue on throughout his life, and ultimately he would be martyred. He was killed and executed for his faith as he carried out this role faithfully, uh, Christ's apostle to the Gentiles. So again, as we're sort of going over this list, think of as he's, as he's being faithful to the Lord, he has this calling to reach the Gentiles with the gospel message. Thinking of the level of his commitment, he faces obstacle after obstacle, hardship after hardship, faces all of this, and yet never wavers in that, right? If his commitment was sort of less than, I am all in, super committed to Christ, it would have been easy partway through here after facing enough hardship and obstacles to say, sort of like, I'm out. I just, I want to go to like a little quiet town on the edges of the Roman Empire, live sort of a little peaceful life, farm the land, whatnot. It would be easy to say that, right? If his commitment weren't sort of at the level that it was, but he was so committed that even as he endured all of this, he said, I don't care what I suffer. I don't care what the cost is. I'm so committed to Christ, to my Lord, my Savior, that I'll, I'll suffer anything. I'll, I'll do anything, whatever the cost. I'm all in, 100% devoted and committed to Christ, right? That he, he didn't mind. You know, it's like, whatever the cost, I'm all in. No doubt about it. So here's what he suffered, just to go over this a little bit. Again, speaking of his commitment, first of all, he says, right, I've worked much harder. Now he's speaking of much harder than these false apostles. And so you might think, well, like, how hard did the false apostles work? Who knows, right? And they were false apostles anyway. But he even says elsewhere in scripture that he worked much harder than the real, other real apostles as well. So it's like Paul labored to an extent that even the other apostles who were like sold out for Christ, even they didn't reach sort of that level of commitment where they were just sort of like totally devoted, like all that they ever thought of and, and, and sort of did. It was like, all for the Lord and service to him. I have this calling and I'm just so committed to it. It's like everything is centered on that and I just need to be faithful to him and carry out this role, that level of commitment. And so we see that commitment. I've worked much harder, not just in the false apostles, but all of the other apostles. But again, then we're gonna see sort of what he suffered. And again, think of his mindset of like, I'm not gonna back down, right? His commitment was so great that even in the face of the ob these obstacles, these hardships, this persecution, he just continued forward and said, I don't care what the cost is. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. That's the kind of commitment that he had. So what did he experience, right? He says, been in prison more frequently. So regularly in prison, it's like that was no, no surprising thing for Paul to wind up in a prison, right? Exposed to death 
again and again. Actually, I skipped over been flogged more severely, right? So regularly flogged, exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. So again, it's like not even just like once, you know, five times already at this point. He's been severely whipped. Three times I was beaten with rods again. So like regularly beaten, not just like a one-time occasion, right? Multiple times. Once he was stoned and, and, and almost died as a result of that. Three times I was shipwrecked. You know, like you'd think being shipwrecked once, like that's probably enough for one life. No, shipwrecked three times. I spent a night and a day in the open sea, right? Constantly on the move, in danger from like everything, as he puts it, like people, things, rivers, bandits, his own countrymen, so the Jews from the Gentiles as well, in danger in the city, in the country, at sea, from false brothers, like you name it, just in danger at all times and all places from everyone and everything. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger, right? So hunger, thirst, and have often gone without food. He's been cold and naked and he closes. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches, right? So he undergoes all of this. And again, sort of for someone less devoted, less committed to Christ, you know, try to like put yourself in, in Paul's shoes and be fair, and you might part way through this, you know, like how many times do you need to be beaten, whipped, you name it, stoned before you're sort of like, you know, I, I just want things a little bit easier in life. Can't, can't I have like a little bit of a different calling, even though I know what Christ has called me to, as I mentioned before, maybe you just want to find a nice little cozy, peaceful town and like ride out the rest of your years there instead of facing beatings again and again and, and floggings and right, you know, and imprisonment and so forth. Right. But Paul didn't have sort of a wishy-washy, mediocre level of commitment. He was just all in, 100% committed. And so it didn't matter what the cost was, what he suffered, what he endured. He was going to move forward and continue to be faithful to the Lord and carry out his role, continue on his missionary journeys, reaching the Gentile world for Christ. And a good question to ask is sort of like, what, what drove Paul? What, what sort of fostered this, this great and, and deep level of commitment within him? And there are certainly plenty of things that, that you could look at and go to, but I want to particularly highlight one that I think was really a, a driving factor in the deep level of commitment that, that Paul had to Christ. Uh, and really, it, was, it ultimately flowed out of Paul's deep understanding, not just in his head, but sort of really being gripped by it in his heart of, what Christ had done for him. And so I want to turn to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, actually the first half of 19, and I'll read this for us. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. 
Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Right, so as I mentioned before, sort of what, what drove Paul, we'll sort of dig into this here in Acts chapter 9, but what drove him in regard to this commitment, this just deep, profound commitment that he had to Christ, and as I mentioned, it, it's this deep understanding, not just in his head, but sort of being gripped by it in his heart of what Christ had done for him, right? Sort of understand, sort of put yourself in, in Paul's shoes. He, here's Paul, this filthy, wretched sinner. I mean, you know, he was an enemy of Christ, an enemy of the church, sort of like, who, who persecuted the church more than Paul did in that early stage of the church, right? Sort of like nobody. Paul was like chief persecutor of the church. Paul sort of knew what he was, right? Sort of Paul looking back on what Christ had done for him. He knew what he was, this filthy, wretched sinner. And yet he knew what Christ had done for him. Of course, dying on the cross, taking his place, uh, his sin, paying for his sin, taking the wrath of God for Paul, for us as well, right? That Paul wouldn't have to, that he might be forgiven, saved, have everlasting life. But not just that, but thinking of Acts chapter 9 here as well, but, but Christ going and, and pursuing Paul, confronting him, right? Tracking him down on that road to Damascus while he was there to go and persecute the church. Again, as he was opposing Christ, opposing Christians, Christ sought him out, went, confronted him, opened up his eyes to the truth, the truth of the gospel that, that Paul then would turn toward Christ, gave him saving faith in Christ. Paul turned and repentant faith was forgiven, saved, received everlasting life, right? Paul knows what Christ has done for him on the cross, but then also seeking him out on that road to Damascus, opening up his eyes to the truth, leading him to saving faith in Christ, giving him forgiveness, salvation, everlasting life. Paul knew that, and not just sort of like in his head academically, but was truly deeply gripped by it in his heart of hearts. And, and if you think about really being gripped by what Christ has done for us, in, in Paul's case, being gripped by what Christ had done for him, but, but for us as well, if we're truly gripped by what Christ has done for us, if we think about it and realize like, here we are, filthy, wretched sinners, and yet in wondrous love, Christ came and he did everything for me. He died on the cross for me. He rescued me from my sin, gave me everlasting life. The natural response and, and sort of thought process, how we should naturally respond to that, it's like, if he's done everything for me, I'll do anything and everything for him. Like, whatever the cost. He suffered immeasurably for me. I, whatever I have to suffer in service to him, like, I'm totally committed, totally devoted. Whatever I suffer, whatever the cost, I will do it, right? That's what drove the, this 
truly profound level of commitment within Paul, right? Not to say there weren't other factors, love for Christ and so forth. You, you could go on and on, a deep relationship with the Lord, spending time with him. You could certainly speak to other factors, but this was a, a big, major driving force in sort of what fostered that great commitment within Paul. He knew what Christ had done for him, and he couldn't help but respond. If you've done that for me, done everything for me, suffered for me, so greatly. I'll do anything in response to for you. Whatever you want, whatever you're calling me to, whatever the cost, whatever I have to suffer, I'm all in 100%, totally devoted, totally committed. But I want to speak further, not just sort of for Paul, what, what kind of drove him in regard to that deep level of commitment, what fostered that deep commitment. But I also want to think of sort of for ourselves, what are naturally obstacles in regard to living out a life of commitment to Christ, right? Uh, what are things that sort of get in the way of us living out a life of, of truly faithful commitment and obedience to the Lord? And I'd say there are a number. This is not some like exhaustive list. You could go on and on, and there could be others, uh, certainly, that you could add to this list. But one of the things that I think is naturally sort of for us in our day and age and our lives, sort of something that, that's an obstacle for us in living out a life of commitment to Christ is sort of limited time. And sort of going along with that is kind of like the wrong priorities, right? I think of oftentimes, just to use an example in our lives, maybe God is calling us to, to serve him in some way. Just think of Paul, just how he had this special calling on, on his life. Doesn't mean like you've been called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, but still, God, God has some sort of calling on your life, and maybe he's calling you to get involved in some sort of church ministry and serve there. Maybe it's not even at, at, at a church, but some parachurch ministry organization that's doing great work for God and his kingdom. And you sort of feel like that, that calling God's just sort of put it on your heart to, to get involved and, and serve. But then what sort of goes through your mind is like, you know, I don't have the time for that. Life's busy. We're sort of all busy. In America, we kind of live in a culture of busyness. We got a lot going on. Right? So oftentimes that can be the logic in our minds, like, I just don't have time for this. The reality is if God's calling us to do something, we have time for it. We just need to make the time. But often sort of our priorities are a little bit out of whack. And, and maybe we're thinking, well, I don't have time for that because, you know, I kind of like this hobby of mine. I love golf and I like playing a couple rounds of golf every week or whatever. You know, insert, you know, your own hobby or something else that, that you enjoy doing. Maybe you just like to take it easy and relax and whatnot. And, you know, I mean, there's a place for that. Uh, but, but oftentimes we prioritize that above other things, and we say, God, I don't have time to serve you in this way because I want to play my couple rounds of golf or because I want to, again, fill in the blank. And so our limited time with sort of mixing with that the wrong priorities, prioritizing sort of lesser things above being committed to the Lord and serving him in a faithful way, we wind up sort of not living out a life of, of, of true commitment to the Lord. And so limited time with sort of incorrect priorities, that's, that's one of them. Uh, I'd say another is, is money or just sort of materialism. I'll give an example in, in, in this regard as well. Perhaps maybe God's calling you to donate money. Maybe it's to tithe to the church, to support ministry in the church. Or maybe it's some other cause, whatever it is, some other Christian organization or something. Uh, maybe it's even just coming alongside and helping somebody financially who's in some time of need. You sort of feel that calling from the Lord. But again, maybe you have in your mind other plans for those financial resources of yours, your money. Maybe you were looking forward to a nice vacation over in Europe. Not that there's anything wrong with that. that that's fine. But, you know, maybe it, it's going to be one or the other. You don't have enough money to do both. And so, you know, if you're going to be faithful to the Lord, well, then that trip to Europe needs to go. Uh, or, or maybe it's something else. You know, I, 
you want a new car or whatever it is, you know. And so oftentimes that materialism, uh, sort of having other intents for our financial resources, uh, that prevents us at times from being committed, living out a life of commitment to Christ. I'd say there can be other things as well uh, that can be obstacles in living out a life of commitment to Christ. Uh, one I would say is just a desire for comfort. Again, not that there's anything intrinsically wrong with liking things to be comfortable in life, but I'd say if you would sort of name one of the chief things about American culture, I would say it's we like things comfortable and easy. That is like pretty foundational to American culture. We like things easy. We like things comfortable. Uh, but the reality is God might be calling us to something. You know, think of Paul was like what God called him to, apostle to the Gentiles, on the road all the time, facing all that, that he had to face and all those, those obstacles and the hardship. Was that like comfortable and easy? You know what I mean? Being shipwrecked numerous times a day and a night out in the open sea, in danger everywhere he went, tossed into prison. Like that doesn't sound too comfortable, but often we just so desire and crave comfort that, that we wind up making that the priority rather than being faithful to the Lord and living out a life of commitment to him. Just even to, to use some examples, I'll use a couple examples. Uh, maybe, I'm not saying this is the case for anyone here, but you could imagine somebody who, maybe they're younger and they just sort of feel God's calling on their life to go and serve him as a missionary somewhere. And it's like way out in the jungle, away from, you know, like the luxuries of modern Western life. There's, there's no plumbing, you know, there are no toilets. You just sort of like dig a hole, do your business and cover it up. And you know, that, that's a reality for missions work in some parts of the world where it's not like there's all the technology and sort of you're living like it's, you know, 150 years ago, right? It doesn't sound super comfortable and easy, you know, in the jungle, mosquitoes everywhere, diseases, none of those luxuries of sort of modern life in, in the Western world. And you could be somebody having that calling to do that missions work, but you just love your comforts, don't you? And so you say, I, you know, I know that's what God's calling me to, but I'm just, I, I don't want that, right? You know, and, and, and so that love of comfort above other things uh, prevents us from living out a life of, of commitment and, and faithfulness to the Lord. Or to use another example that maybe might seem more relevant to all of us, because probably not all of us are like, yeah, that was me, like, many years ago. I wanted to be a missionary, but I just, the comforts, you know, I, I couldn't deal with, with sort of, uh, you know, the jungle and whatnot. Uh, even thinking of just sharing the gospel with people, right? Perhaps you just feel God laying it on your heart, like, I, I need to share about Christ with this person. You know, I haven't done that, and, and they're a coworker, and, and I know they're not a Christian, and I just I care about them, and I feel God putting it on my heart, like I just need to share Christ with with this person, person share the gospel. But you know, what starts to go through your mind is like, I don't know how they're going to respond. It could be a little like awkward conversation. What if they're combative? And you're sort of like, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a comfortable, easy thing. And so you just sort of say like, I, you know, I'll just keep it to myself. I won't share. That, that, and that's like a common narrative in sort of like American Christianity for a lot of us evangelical Christians, where we might like aspire to share our faith with people all the time. But it just sort of feels uncomfortable. It doesn't come naturally to us. We're afraid how people are going to respond. And at the end of the day, we sort of say, like, I care more about things being easy and comfortable. So, like, I'm just going to keep it to myself rather than live out a life of commitment and do what, what Christ wants me to do. Another obstacle in regard to living out a life of commitment to Christ can just be sort of our, our sinful fleshly desires, right? Part of living a life of, of commitment to the Lord is just living in, in obedience to his many commands of how we're to live and, 
and honor him in our lives. And oftentimes our sinful flesh just wants what it wants. That's the honest truth. And we want things that are sinful at times and, and desire uh, wrong and sinful, e evil things. And in our fleshliness, we go and we pursue those things rather than, again, living out a life of, of commitment and faithfulness to the Lord. Another is, and this is the last one we'll talk about in regard to obstacles to living a commit, committed life to Christ. But again, you can add on to these. This isn't like exhaustive and everything. But, but another is just an unwillingness to sacrifice of ourselves. And I sort of already even touched upon this in, in some of the other uh, examples that I gave, like when we talked about money, materialism, and it's sort of like God's calling you to give to, to support ministry or whatever it is to help someone in need but you have another desire for that money, your vacation, a new car, or whatever. And again, to, to be faithful to the Lord, live in a committed way to him and, and donate that money to that Christian cause, help that person in need. Well, there's a sacrifice there. It means you're not going to have your nice vacation that you wanted. You're not going to have the brand new car that you, that you wanted. So there can be sacrifice involved there. Uh, even with regard to when I talked about time, limited time, and having the wrong priorities. Again, oftentimes when God's calling us to, to serve him in some way, again, we might be limited to, in time, and that means something that we maybe enjoy or desire, way we like spending our time. Well, that has to go to make time for serving God as he's calling us to. And so there's a sacrifice there, giving up that thing that maybe we enjoy uh, spending time doing. Uh, the reality is that if we're going to live out a life of, of commitment to the Lord, there's going to be a cost that's going to involve sacrifice. And all too often, we just sort of don't want to make those sacrifices. I mean, look at, look at Paul's life. There was an awful lot of sacrifice that, that was involved there. He gave a whole list of it, all that he suffered and endured, all the sacrifices that he made in service to the Lord as he lived a, a committed life in service to Christ, right? If we're going to be committed to Christ and live that out in our daily lives, there are going to be sacrifices. But all too often, we don't seem willing to make those sacrifices. But I want to sort of come back, big picture here, and, and sort of speak to our application here. And if you think, well, what's our big takeaway if we, if we leave here and say, how do I apply this? We talked about Paul. We talked about him as an example of commitment to Christ. It sort of seems simple and straightforward, but what's our big takeaway? What's our application? Well, it's to, to grow in commitment to Christ. We, we want to sort of look at Paul, and, and Paul's not a perfect example. Paul sinned, right? It's not like he was perfect. He wasn't like Christ. He did Error and, and sin and make mistakes, but nonetheless, he is still a great example for us that we would do well to sort of pattern our lives after and, and strive to follow his example. He's a wonderful example of truly great and deep commitment to Christ, and I want us to just be challenged by his example, seek to, to, to follow it, and just day after day seek to grow in commitment to Christ. And if we really want to grow in commitment to Christ, really first and foremost, what I want to say is let's be gripped by what Christ has done for us, right? That's as I talk about what really drove Paul. Yes, there were other factors. I don't want to minimize those, but Paul was just so deeply gripped in his heart of hearts by what Christ had done for him. Again, if you just sort of get into Paul's head, the, the way he was thinking, it's sort of like, Christ has done everything for me. I'm this filthy, wretched sinner, and he, and he went and he sought me out. He confronted me on that road to Damascus, right? He died on the cross to pay for my sins. He's rescued me, saved me from my sin. I have everlasting life in him. He's done everything for me, and I can't help but just sort of have the response of, I'll do anything for you. I'm totally all in, 100% committed, devoted to you. Whatever you want, I'm there. I will do it. Wherever you want me to go, all across the Roman world, I'll go there. Whatever hardships, whatever suffering, whatever the cost is, I will face it, endure it. Whatever you want, I'm all in, 100% committed. Right? And I want us to sort of have that same mindset. I want us to, to just take the time to really deeply ponder 
what Christ has done for us. I know we understand it in our heads, and I know we're gripped by it to an extent in our hearts, but it can be easy to sort of maybe grow up in the church and you hear all the time about what Christ did and he died on the cross for us, and you just sort of start to take it for granted because you've just heard it so many times, and that's just sort of naturally what happens. I want us to sort of hear it almost as if we're hearing it for the first time. Allow ourselves to really be blown away by it because it should blow our minds if we think about it. If we think about God the Son coming here, becoming one of us, going to a cross, suffering, dying there, taking the wrath of God for us to pay for our sins so we might be forgiven, that we might be saved, have eternal life. Our minds should just be blown. We should be filled with just such gratitude. Our love for him should just deepen as we truly ponder that. And we should have that natural response of, you did that for me? I'll do anything for you, Lord Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever the cost, I'm 100% devoted, 100% committed. And so I want us to have that mindset, and we're going to cultivate that mindset the more we just deeply ponder and are gripped by what Christ has done for us. But I also want to speak to sort of some of those natural obstacles to living a committed life, a life of commitment to Christ. We mentioned uh, limited time, money, or materialism. We talked about sort of our love of comforts, just even sort of our natural sinful fleshly self and our desires Uh, We talked about just our unwillingness to sacrifice. And again, there can be all sorts of other natural obstacles. I want us to take the time as we think about some of those natural obstacles or any others that you could add to that list uh, and really think about it, pray about it, and ask ourselves honestly, what are the obstacles in my life that keep me from living out a life of commitment to Christ? What are those? Is it maybe that time one with the wrong priorities where I know God's calling me to serve him in certain ways. And I just sort of keep saying in response, I don't have the time. I don't have the time, but I really do. It's just that I'm having all the wrong priorities and and prioritizing other things that aren't so important above spending that time as God is calling me to spend it in service to him. Again, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's that unwillingness to sacrifice, whatever it is. Maybe it's something that we didn't talk about today, but take the time to really search yourself, search your heart, be in prayer about it. Ask the Holy Spirit just to open up your eyes to it. Uh, And as you discern what those obstacles are in your life that that keep you from living out a life of commitment to Christ, as those are revealed to you, as they come to your mind, just resolve to be rid of them. Don't let them be obstacles anymore. Say, I'm done with that. I'm not going to let that hinder me in regard to my commitment to Christ. And so let's do this. Let's grow in commitment to Christ that in our lives we might better honor and glorify him. Amen. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for, for, for Paul, for his wonderful, not perfect, but still wonderful and, and great example here in Scripture in regard to commitment to you, Lord Jesus. May we follow his example. May we desire to grow each and every day in commitment to you. All too often, we can waver in that regard. We can let all sorts of obstacles get in the way of us living out a life of commitment to you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that as we look at this example of Paul, his his deep commitment to you, and, and what, as we talked about, really cultivated that and drove that within him, just being gripped by what you had done for him, Lord Jesus. May it be the same for us. May we take the time to really deeply ponder that and just be truly blown away by you, by your love for us, what you did for us in love on that cross. And as we think about that and ponder it deeply, may we have that natural response of, you did that for me, and I'll do anything in response. I will do anything in service to you. 
I'm all in, 100% committed, devoted to you, whatever the cost. I'll go anywhere, do anything for you. May we have that mindset, as Paul did, that we might better honor you and glorify you in our lives. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.